Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome to the Guilty as Charged podcast presented by the Chargers Podcast Network. My name is Steven, and I'm the host, as always, and joining me is my guy, Tyler. Tyler, what's up, man? How are you doing today? Uh, you know, not doing too bad, Steven. I personally am doing well, although I am preparing for what could be the roughest, uh, toughest Chargers-Raiders game to watch since 1998, where apparently both teams played two quarterbacks, and there was a, it was a barn burner of a game, and the Raiders won 7-6. to six. <laughs> yeah hopefully we get a little bit more of an entertaining game this week um but you know not too dissimilar situations for mr easton stick and aiden o'connell both being fifth round draft picks obviously easton stick has been in the league for for quite some time at this point but uh we'll get to that game in a second here obviously we'll we'll have some news to break down uh regarding the quarterback behind tyler's right shoulder mr justin herbert um, and then we'll have some things to dive into about the Chargers loss to the Broncos. And we'll just kind of zoom out as we like to do on this show and and look at kind of where the Chargers are at as a, as a franchise right now, being five and eight. Um, playoff hopes basically uh, done for at this point, depending on which model you're looking at. It's basically around one or two percent, um, you know, after that loss to the Broncos. So we'll have some some good conversations. And then we are going to talk about Mr. Easton Stick and how the Chargers can kind of uh, take advantage of this month remaining of the season with him at quarterback and how they can potentially build a successful offense. So we'll get to all of that here in a second. As always, Tyler and I are fans of the team, just like you guys are. We are very fortunate to have this platform. Uh, it's kind of crazy to look back at at how fast this season has gone by with one month remaining. We obviously you know, started becoming on this feed uh, as of April, and and here we are in December with uh, one le- one month left. So it's been a been a super fun ride for the two of us being on this channel. We can't thank you guys enough for the support. That being said, uh, the opinions that we share on this show are just that they are our opinions first and foremost. They are not the opinions of the Chargers organization. Um, we are independent contract. We are independent content creators, and uh, hopefully, you guys have enjoyed our our experience on the show. But uh, Tyler, kind of crazy to think about and speak out loud. You know, one month left in the season. Looking back to our first show on the channel and and that being the draft episode and things like that. Kind of crazy how fast time flies. Yeah, our first episode was a mock draft the week of the draft. And it's December 11th as of recording. And we're currently looking ahead to the next draft as well. But, you know, draft season sometimes never stops. Um, of course, Alex Katzen yeah. on our channel um, doing work in that regard as well. But, yeah, it was quick. We spent the whole summer just going, please get to the season. Please get to the season. Please get to the season. <laughs> and the season, it's week 15. Like, what happened? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what happened. But suddenly, we are here at the basically the end of the season. Yeah, I, I feel like being content creators, like, you're always working on stuff. So the season always goes by faster, you know, as opposed to just, like, you know, when I am, like, looking at, like, University of Utah football, I'm like, man, like, the season's kind of dragging on right now. <laughs> So it is funny. Steven's a Utah fan, by the way, for nobody that if you didn't yeah, know. If you're just listening to the show, you know that <laughs> I'm joking. Everybody knows you're a Utah fan, Steven. Yeah, yeah everybody knows. You know, I was <laughs> tweeting about Utah women's basketball the other day. So, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> cool. Um, all right, guys. That being said, um, unfortunate news for for the Chargers, obviously, with Justin Herbert and his injury. Um, Brandon Staley said this morning, Monday, um, that he was going to talk to two different specialists, get two different opinions. Um, and about two hours ago, as of recording this, Adam Schefter tweeted out that he is going to undergo surgery on his index finger while the specific timeline has not been released just yet. That likely takes him out of the final four games of the season. 
Um, you know, I'm sure Justin is really trying to do everything he can to get back out there for the team. He said just as much. Um, he has one of the longest streaks in the league uh, of consecutive games started ever since he obviously took over for Mr. Terod Taylor in week two against the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, and I'm sure he would like, you know, that streak to stay intact. I think everybody would like that, that streak to stay intact. Um, as it currently stands, there's five healthy quarterbacks in the AFC out of 16 teams. It's just kind of crazy right now. Um, so Justin Herbert, finger injury, um, unfortunately seems like it's going to knock him out for the uh, rest of the season here. But Tyler, what's kind of your your thoughts about Mr. Justin Herbert being out for the final four games? That it sucks and that it's terrible. <laughs> Uh, this is Justin Herbert's fourth notable injury that he sustained over the last two years. You've got um, the fractured rib cartilage. You've got the torn labrum, injured left hand, now injured right hand. He's been in the blue medical tent several other times. So it sucks. I mean, you want to see Justin Herbert out there. And, you know, it's unfamiliar territory for Chargers fans. We've had Philip Rivers, then Terod Taylor for one game, yeah. and then Justin Herbert. Like, it, it, there's really just, it's been consistency at the quarterback position. That's really what it's been for the Chargers for you know two decades now and to see him out is is such a bummer uh, doesn't look like he's playing against the Raiders and as everyone kind of speculated it's not like it's not looking like he's going to play uh, this season of course he'll try to if there's any random experimental sciencey thing out there that he can find to get himself on the field I'm sure he'd look into it but it's just I agree with Daniel Popper and what he said about the most important thing is your most important asset, and that is Justin yeah. Herbert. And in a season where at this point you have 1% or less than 1% chance of making the postseason, and that's before you have to play games with Easton Stick, no offense, you got to do what's best for your quarterback and your best asset. You know, On the one hand, you want your quarterback to be out there. You want any player to be out there, and you want them to be healthy. At the same time, like this pass protection as it currently stands is is unacceptable and it's a complete failure from top down from personnel department to coaches to players they couldn't pick up a free rusher in week one and they still can't pick up a free rusher in week 14. Yeah. the broncos had they had 30 pressures altogether, but 11 or 12 of them were just on blitzes and free rushes and I believe there are six different sacks in that game. It was rough. Um, you know, it sucks. Injuries suck. But like, her, just seeing Herbert go down, it's it's more, for, I don't know if fans feel the same way, if you feel the same way. It just feels more frustrating. It's kind of infuriating when it happens to someone like the quarterback, like Justin yeah. Herbert. You know, he's the guy that's always out there and carrying the team on his back. And And more games than not, they're only really in the hunt or in the game because of Justin Herbert and for the line and the coaches and the scheme and whatever to not to both not give him a run game all season. And then just in general, no pass protection. It's, it's kind of infuriating because he's doing everything he possibly can. And now you can just see too, especially at the beginning of that Broncos game, that it's just starting to take, a toll on his mind it's been taking yeah. a toll on his body all of these hits all of the free rushers etc but now it's just kind of altering things are just a bit off right throws are just a bit off um he's missing by just a little bit and there's nothing stable around him 
and he's trying to learn his eighth offense in you know as many seasons practically it's tough right now for him so it's my long-winded way of saying i obviously would love for him to be healthy i'd love for him to be out there but in what seems to be now a lost season do its best for your most important asset yeah and then the, specifically you know this being an issue with his throwing hand um the reports were that he was really struggling to grip a football, you know, in the locker room at halftime <clears throat> when they were trying to evaluate if he could go back into the game. And I'm sure he pushed to even go continue to play, even, you know, struggling to grip a football. I mean, you know, Justin Herbert for everything that was like said about him after the draft, like toughness has never once been any kind of concern of mine. And we've seen this guy, obviously take on linebackers on the sideline. I mean, the Jerry Tillery thing where he hits him out of bounds and the entire team is, you know, going after him and Justin comes out of the pile and he's just laughing <laughs> and, and skipping on the sideline. Obviously the, the rib thing last year, right? Like one of the most incredible thing, incredible feats of toughness I have ever seen on the football field is Justin Herbert struggling so much to run that he had to actively like fling the football down and then yeah, two plays later just threw a dot to deandre carter like 55 60 yards in the air like justin herbert's toughness should never be in question like there was a tweet that kind of went viral yesterday of of like you mentioned the injuries that he's kind of dealt with and people are like oh like so now you're saying justin herbert is injury prone and that could not be further from the truth because He's playing through these things and he will do everything he can to play through those things. So and for him to miss games, you know, it has to be a, a serious thing. You know, this man played through a rib injury that, according to Stefania Bell of ESPN, should have sidelined him for a month. And he played through mm -hmm. it and he played through a torn labrum to the point where nobody even really knew about it outside of the Chargers building. And this is who Justin Herbert is. He's going to give it his all as long as he can. It's part of the reason why the Chargers have wisely invested in him the way that they have. You know, it's why he has earned that contract. Obviously, all the statistics and things like that. But he embodies everything that you want in a franchise quarterback. He basically lives at the facility, studies his butt off in terms of film study, prepares, is a gym rat. All of this stuff have been verified by several people within the building and it just is, you know, it's going to be really frustrating for him to miss these games for his teammates, even with the team being five and eight. And that's the kind of player that you want leading your franchise, a guy that's just going to be gutted missing games in what is essentially a lost season. And that's who Justin Herbert is. And I think it's outstanding that he is our quarterback. That being said, like you, you mentioned the chargers as a franchise, as an organization have to do better supporting their franchise quarterback and it's going to be more difficult now that he is going to be a much more expensive quarterback so you're going to have to put in double the amount of time on the attention to detail aspect of football whether you are a personnel person an assistant coach a player alongside justin herbert it's just the nature of the beast everybody has to raise their level after you get that contract extension and Khalil Mack talked about this after the game. Khalil Mack mentioned that he feels like there are certain players that are truly 100% all the way in on this season, even with the frustrations. And there have been other players who are not all the way in on this season. 
And Khalil Mack absolutely has earned the right in the NFL to say things like that. He's half a sack away from 100 sacks for his career. He's a defensive player of the year candidate. He's played through injuries. He's setting the tone. And that is unacceptable for where you are hoping to get to. Like, we're going to talk about the team as a whole right now. And you have these leaders setting the bar, specifically Justin Herbert, Keenan Allen, Kalumak, and others have to come up and meet them. And that's not the case right now. And that goes from players, coaches, and it's just, it's why the team is five and eight. Like, we want to talk about why the team is not making the playoffs. Like, people are not rising to the level that their leaders are setting. And, and that's a big problem. And it's not just an individual problem. It's a whole organizational problem. Yeah, I would agree with you there. I don't know when a good time is to be open to the media and say that, hey, I feel that some guys are understanding what needs to happen and some younger guys are not. But I am glad that Khalil Mack said that, whether this is, you know, his last year, whether he's got one more year, two more years with this team, whatever. You know, we respect so much what Khalil Mack brings off the field as a leader and setting the standards. And he's got every right to say it there's uh, you tell me who the top three players in the Chargers are this year I think Lamac is arguably number one because of what he's accomplished this season and the other kind of veteran guy the other quote-unquote old guy on the team Keenan Allen is the other person continuing to set the standard you know for what things should be so it's not that anyone's saying that you know the Chargers other players are are lazy or they don't aren't invested in football or whatever but they need to then or coaches whoever they need to put it together on the field. And like you said, yeah. they need to get it together for, let's say, Justin Herbert or for Kalumak or for Keenan. It, it can't be this, you know, four guys are kind of holding it together and everything else just would fall apart without them. Everybody needs to come together, you know, random. But like, I don't know who on the Ravens is like their quote unquote, like big four leaders or whatever. But like you could tell in, in that game, for example, against the Rams, like it did take several different players rising to the occasion and becoming a bit more of themselves. And even if it was just one play, like Tylen Wallace walk off punt return for a touchdown. Yeah. Like it, it requires things like that in order to win those tough games. And it just seems to be, it, it just seems to be the difference between the Chargers being five and eight versus in playoff contention. No, that's a perfect example because Tylen Wallace isn't even their main punt returner. David Duvernay, oh, who's okay. been to the pro bowl, <laughs> as a return specialist is is injured right now and so Tylen Wallace is stepping into that you know the Ravens lost Kyle Hamilton who absolutely destroyed the Chargers a couple weeks ago he's one of the most impressive players I've studied this season and so other guys have to raise the level there's so many cliches in football but the next man up mentality is a real thing and if you are able to instill that into every player on the team then everybody is is ready for the occasion. Like, we're going to see what Easton Sticks' mentality has been like. You know, every backup quarterback says they prepare like they're always the starter. We're going to see what that looks like. But you lose Mike Williams, and Josh Palmer was absolutely ready to step into that role and figure it out, and he played awesome until he also got injured. You know, you have the J.C. Jackson situation, and nobody really came kind of up to meet that next level at the cornerback spot. You know, Elohi Gilman misses a couple games, and you don't really have that guy to come in and step up at that next level. Um, Joey Bosa has obviously been injured. Thule has met and exceeded that level. Um, quick shout out for him. He's joined an elite company list, becoming 
one of six rookie edge rushers in the PFF era to hit 40 total pressures and 20 run stops. So we've talked a lot about Thule. He deserves a lot of credit for his rookie season, and he's joining some elite company. But across the board, you have to have that kind of mentality. Corey Lindsley steps out. Will Clapp steps in. Great. Will Clapp is doing a good job. But when you lose these guys, it's not just an X-man-up mentality. Everybody around them has to raise their level of play. And I think that's been an issue with the team. You know, we'll get to some uh, specific things here in a minute, but it's just, it, it just feels like the level of urgency is not always there. I feel that from the leaders. I feel that's from some specific players, but you look at these other teams around the league that are handling these kind of, in, these kind of injuries. And it feels like, okay, you, you're, you're missing your right tackle. You're missing Elaine Johnson. Okay, Jason Kelsey raises his play. Jordan Mailata raises his play. Stuff like that just doesn't feel like it's happening outside of like the core four leaders on this Chargers franchise right now. Yeah, this is definitely a topic of conversation for the offseason as well. But no, I completely agree with you there and well said. Hey guys, VIP ticket packages for the first ever Super Bowl in Las Vegas are now on sale. And only on location offers all-inclusive experiences worthy of the entertainment capital of the world. Ticket packages boast an array of offerings such as premium seating to the game, epic pregame parties with headline talent, NFL legend appearances, premium drinks and fare, and much more. Visit NFLOnLocation.com or search NFL On Location today. Your football experience of a lifetime awaits only with On Location. So getting to, to uh, some specific things, I think, you know, for me, and I don't know where you land on this, when you're looking at like reasons why the Chargers are five and eight and not eight and five, for example, or seven and six or whatever, <laughs> there are six, seven and six teams in the AFC right now that the conference is kind of a, a whole cluster together, but the Chargers specifically, like when you look at the whole season for like commonalities, I think that that aspect of offensive line protection and not even necessarily like the group like the individuals but from like a scheme and coaching standpoint they have struggled with these blitz packages all season long and that's just something that is inexcusable in modern football when you have a guy like justin herbert and so for me when i look at like you know reasons why the team has maybe kind of underachieved a little bit when you have one specific thing that you struggle with the entire season and it's never addressed, I think that's a big reason why you you have some of these issues. And it's really been in these key moments, like Justin Herbert from a national media narrative perspective is getting crushed for his inability to lead clutch drives when he's not even really getting chances in these key moments because you know these defensive coordinators have figured out like hey the chargers can't really handle these simulated pressures these these designer blitz packages and if we call them in key moments we're gonna get home whether that is dan quinn on the cowboys whether that was vic fangio with the uh i almost said denver broncos uh the miami dolphins whether that's vance joseph on sunday with the denver broncos it's been an issue all season long and it's not like this is a, a trend that's going away. Like, it's not like, okay, we're just struggling with this one team, this one specific issue. The simulated pressures are kind of like the defensive meta right now in the league. And anybody who does them is kind of elevating their team. And Steve Spagnolo, of course, is, is one of those guys as well. And it's a key reason why the Chargers offense has really failed to meet those preseason expectations 
because they haven't come together and figured out how to stop these free rushers from ruining their offensive game plans every single week. It's a bit of a surprise. I, I know Brandon Staley, he's not in all of the offensive meetings and in charge of everything on the offense, but sure. say what you want about the defense and the struggles this season. Brandon Staley can drop a really good blitz and a really good rush plan and give Smith J. Rogers. 100%. Uh, these guys can send quite a bit at you, and the Chargers have had personnel to do that. So it's a surprise then to see the Chargers not be able to pick this up. And initially, you know, I think you and I and a lot of fans gave a lot of grace to this issue because you lose Corey Lindsley. So like, no matter what, you're not going to be better, right? Like it's not going to suddenly get better. It's going to get worse. Right. But it's been a, f a few weeks. It's been 12 weeks since week three. And, you know, nothing has really changed. They, they did much better in that Vikings game, of course. But you have someone like, you know, you had Mike Williams to throw to. You had Corey Lindsley, like. I don't know what is going on. I really don't because it's the exact same things over and over again. And it's not going to get any better. You know, the, the Raiders otherwise, who, by the way, are playing really good defense right now. Um, I don't think the Broncos are going to change up their game plan just because you don't have your starting quarterback in. The Chiefs, you know, are not going to do anything different. They have plenty of linebackers they can rotate through and safeties they can rotate through. I I'm... I don't know which one has stopped the Chargers more from being more effective um, and winning more games this season, but it definitely has affected them in games versus in like the gotta have it games and the games versus contenders, the games and the moments, the drives against teams where, Hey, if you beat this team, you can really be in consideration for this. Or if Justin Herbert, if Justin Herbert gets that one more game winning drive, you know, he could be considered clutch or whatever, but every single time, I'm curious to, you know, maybe you can look more into this as more of an offensive line guy. I'm just curious like, to step back at the end of this season and just look at, okay, every single quarterback hit or sack in the fourth quarter or, or whatever it is. Like, what is the common reason? Is there one? I don't know. But like you said, these guys, whoever it is, they need to step up. You know, Joshua Kelly, if you're being called in there to go, like they're saying, hey, Eckler, we're going to reduce the role a bit. So someone's got to step up. So here you go, Joshua Kelly, you're in there. You can't give up the two pressures. You know, you can't, these guys and Spiller and Kelly, I think have both said they loved pass protection drills in camp, mm -hmm. but it hasn't really paid off. I don't think it certainly had not paid off this season, especially when Eckler was out. It was, it was not great at all. So guys got to step up. I think like Zion Johnson had zero pressures this game. That's great. But then like everybody else had six or four or six. <laughs> it's just, you know, the unit's got to step up together and it's frustrating. So, you know, give it grace because of injuries, Corey Lindsley, obviously some good defenses in there, but it's been a week to week to week to week to week to week thing. And then, oh, hey, there's something positive. And then issue, 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 issue every, you know, every now and then where the positive moments are just outliers. And it's, it is truly baffling. You know, I think Duke Manyweather tried to rationalize maybe what's going on, but flat out, he just said like the regression is across the board and it's a bit of a surprise to see. Yeah, so I'm looking up uh, games in which Justin Herbert has been pressured more than 40% on the season, and 40% is a that's that's bad. That you like that's that's not ideal. Like I think anything over 30% to me is kind of like okay, we had some issues this game and we kind of struggled today. We had a bad day. So Justin Herbert was pressured more than 40% of his dropbacks seven games this season and three of those games were more than 50 percent 
And in total right now, they're hovering around 30%, 36% pressure percentage on Justin Herbert dropbacks, which is almost as bad as the unit in 2020. And to Jeez. me, that's just, that's just unacceptable based off of what yeah. we felt about th that specific group with all the injuries and what we feel about this group with, you know, Trey, um, excuse me, Rashawn Slater has had his ankle injuries and Corey mm -hmm. Lindsay has been out, but other than that, they've been healthy. Like Rashawn has still been playing these games. So to have that kind of offensive line output. And it's, again, it's not even really like fully offensive line related. Like it's not individuals. Sure. So much of this is game plan specific. And like, how are we managing these situations? And it's been an issue since week one, seven games that Justin Herbert has played this season. He has been pressured more than 40% of his dropbacks. And that to me is you, we can talk about like everything else, you know, from a defense perspective, everything like that. From an offensive perspective, they have not reached expectations. And that, to me, is the biggest issue that has to be changed going forward because you can't have Justin Herbert being pressured like that and expect him to be performing at these kind of levels. Like, we quarterbacks can't function if they can't even get plays off. And so 40%, that's what you're talking about. You're talking about a guy who cannot get the plays off, and we've seen that far too many times this season. I, I didn't realize it was 2020 bad. It was, I believe, close to what Rivers was going through in like 2014 um, when they he had the bulging disc in his back due to the injuries and, and hits through that season. Yeah. But just looking through the list of players from the 2020 season, you know, all, all respect to these guys, but like this 2023 line is should be better. If you told me comparing investment and outlook for one, versus yep. what they had in 2020, there's no way you can think these are two of the, the same lines in terms of pass protection. But I mean, again, re respect to these guys and what they did, but just going through the names like Scott Questenberry, Balaga in and out of the lineup, Storm Norton, Forrest Lamp, Sam Tevy, Cole Toner, Ryan Groy, Dan Feeney, Trey Turner, Trey Pipkins, obviously, Tyree St. Louis. Like, sorry, if you told me to look at these two guys, two lines, You'd, you'd go easily with the 2023 line. So yep. to hear that these players are not performing and are actually looking kind of like the 2020 line is to me a, a strong indictment against the, the coaching and the preparation so far. Yeah. The good news, if you want like silver lining, is that in my opinion, these issues are correctable. It's just the attention to detail of the coaching staff has to completely ratchet up to another level and you know it, it's easier said than done but you look at what frank smith was able to get out of the 2021 unit again with michael schofield injuries at right guard Ode Ibushi was the starter michael schofield came in four games in brian Bulaga was the week one starter that lasted a half and then storm norton came in trey pipkins also started some games that year you had a rookie left tackle a great one but still a rookie left tackle and that unit was allowed pressure on Justin Herbert around 30%, which is a, an above average percentage, in my opinion, at this point. Anything above 35 is completely unacceptable when you're talking about protecting your most important asset, your starting quarterback, your franchise guy that you're invested in until 2029. So in terms of the priorities in the offseason, whatever the case may be, 
coaches, personnel, players, everybody needs to come together and ensure that we are not talking about this at that point next year. I believe from a personnel standpoint that the Chargers have the guys necessary to do that. Corey Lindsay's status TBD, we don't know there. Obviously, hope he, you know, for a, a recovery from the issues that he's dealing with. But Rashawn, Zion, Jamari, and Trey, they're going to be here next year. They're all around here long-term. They've invested in Jordan McFadden as, as kind of a, a key backup there. They like Foster Sorrell. The core, for the most part, of this offensive line is going to be here next season. And I believe that they can turn this around. I do. I genuinely believe that. I believe in this talent. I believe in this group. I believe in, in the physicality and toughness that they can play with. Rashawn Slater playing with a double high ankle sprain for six weeks. Are you kidding me? Like, the talent and the will is there. They just need to get the right pieces together and have it all click together. And I think that we should not have this problem again next season. I would agree. Um, it's the, the Chargers. I know a lot of fans want to go through and just suggest making, you know, pretty sizable changes along this offensive line, at least at a couple of spots. But the, the Chargers don't have that luxury. You know, we'll get yeah. into the offseason in this roster. And especially when we get to free agency, we'll see who's here and who's back and who's not. But the Chargers don't really have the luxury of going like they have to find a way to maximize these rookie contracts for like a Jamari Sawyer and for a Zion Johnson and to let that work for them. They can't just go and spend, you know, eight million dollars a year on another guard because they want to upgrade there. Maybe they do. And I guess I would understand because at least you're trying to put something better out there. But you can't afford that. That leaves corner, receiver, edge, safety, yeah. tight end. Like you have too many other things to solve. So this offensive line's got to figure it out. And I agree, though. I agree with you that I do believe they can. We've seen it. Like last year, a lot of these guys played yeah. some really good football. Just get back to that, whatever it takes. Yeah, whatever it takes. That's a good way to put that. Um, defensively, really quick here, Tyler, what would you kind of say is the biggest reason why expectations have not been met on that side of the ball? It's easily the secondary and coaching in the secondary. And we've talked about this at length, so I don't know how much we need to spend on this, but like everything didn't work out well for the secondary overall. And with that all not working out, the Chargers were underprepared because they spent nothing in terms of either draft capital or significant free agent money in the secondary. So JC doesn't work out, right? That, that situation does not work out. It would have been better if he were just on IR than playing. Not great on the field, not great off the field. Um, Tom Telesco is apologizing to the DB room. Michael Davis takes a step back. Um, Bryce Callahan is not brought back. You go at John Taylor. That really didn't work out this season, and it's unfortunate, but sometimes it doesn't work out. Um, Asante Samuel Jr. is boomer bust, but he's gone backwards a bit. Derwin James, I think it's his least impactful season, I think, of his career. JT Woods misses time. Alohi Gilman misses time. And then you have, of course, the coaching, which we've talked about at length. I won't get into it too much, but complexity, scheme issues, communication, et cetera. I think the secondary, you know, you look at the front seven, you look at the rush unit. Sure, there are some things you'd like to improve, maybe the linebackers or whatever, but really it is the secondary that has been the biggest struggle defensively for the Chargers all year. And it, all, it almost does kind of feel like the offensive line. I don't know where you and I had these offensive line and, and DBs or at least corners before the season in terms of like power ranking the units for the Chargers. 
Yeah. I'd say they're at least both in the top five. And now looking at them overall, I'd say they're like, I don't know, bottom five or bottom three in, in terms of performance this season overall. The talent is there, I think. And we thought the talent was there and the play was there and the 2022 tape was all there. And yet there was no significant step forward. And in fact, everything just kind of went backwards. Nothing really progressed for the Chargers. Everything just kind of got worse. And you maybe see a bit of improvement for like a Dean Leonard. And I, I do like some of the supplemental play of an Isang Basie, Dean Marlowe, Hawkins, but it's that's not enough. You needed your core guys to any of them to take a step forward. And everything just kind of went backwards. And I think that shocked the Chargers. It did shock me, to be completely honest. Yeah. And that's why I think that's the easily the key reason why the, the defense has struggled. Yeah, to your point, um, for those who, who were are kind of newer to our show, we did a Chargers position group rankings back in the summer um, on our channel. Um, wide receiver, funny enough, was uh, my top position group. And then obviously quarterback. Interior offensive line was was third uh, with Corey Lindsley, Zion Johnson, and Jamari Sawyer. So that's where I was at. Cornerback I had as uh, fifth. So I, mm-hmm. I, I was pretty high on J.C. Jackson coming back. Michael Davis, Asante Samuel Jr., Jasir Taylor, Dean Leonard, those guys. So it, it, it was an issue, um, or it's been an issue. I think, like, for me, it, it shouldn't take until week 12 to figure out, like, your, your best and most, you know, consistent – group of of cornerbacks and you know yeah. the the asante samuel jr thing like he was going to play slot cornerback it lasted like a week and then it, he was back to outside and so you you finally get this group that that works with jalen hawkins as your safety three easing bassey comes in as your as your nickel dean leonard's playing outside well now dean leonard is injured and Brandon Saley said today that there's there's no timeline on his his return. So he's probably not playing on Thursday. And so this is another star for Michael Davis, who did have an interception, forced another uh, incompletion as well um, on Sunday, according to BFF. But it, it just felt like the whole year was kind of a work in progress. And for this being year three, a lot of these guys coming back, that just shouldn't really be the case. You know, it, it should have been more cohesive from the jump and Obviously, the J.C. Jackson situation, I think, was was probably the biggest issue there. Um, but it shouldn't take you all this time to figure out your most cohesive units. And, you know, Brent Price Callahan was was literally free. <laughs> he probably would have taken the bet minimum to come back, although he still is is out there. He's, he never signed elsewhere, so we don't really know. Um, but I, I think the lack of communication is, and, and just the, the constant issues back there have definitely hurt this team because when – Things work well, like coverage and and pass rush work together. It's hand in hand. Obviously, if you have a better coverage unit, it gives more time for the pass rush to get home. And we've seen some instances of that working. Like I think the Raiders game where Kilomac had the six sacks, a lot of that was due to the plan that Brandon Staley had for the middle of the field and trying to shut down uh, Devontae Adams and those guys. And it worked. And we've seen some glimpses of obviously the pass rush taking over, uh, specifically against like the Jets. And, and it was just really like overwhelming against the bears as well. When Joey was healthy, obviously. Um, but it never really felt like those two sides were clicking for multiple games. And that's obviously, you know, a big issue when you're talking about like high end defensive play in the league, you you need that to come together. I mean, you look at the Cowboys, you look at the, the chiefs, you look at 
um, all these top tier defenses, the the Broncos, the Ravens, everything is just kind of works together. And that never really came to fruition for the Chargers this year. No, I, I don't know what it currently stands at, but the Chargers defensive back room has, has, has the most win probability loss due to penalties, the most EPA loss mm-hmm. due to penalties, at least heading into the previous week. I don't know where it currently stands, but it's that's not a surprise to Chargers fans, but you do want to put it out there just to really get a, a feel for what is going on and how it stacks yeah. up against the rest of the league. The it, communication issues, the penalties, it, it really just does feel like the offensive line and the free rusher kind of issues. It's like, this this should have been figured out you know you you would hope especially with you know generally the same coaches same db same defensive coordinator or at least in brandon staley um i know ronaldo hill is gone but Derek gensley was the db coach um and same with the offensive line it's the same offensive line coaches it all really should be there and yet everything took a step back it's it's frustrating i think this is just you know emphasizing as a whole the importance of the coaching staff and the players getting on the same page. And ideally that happens in the off season. So you can build throughout the season instead of trying to solve all of these problems. Like I, we've, we've talked about like our, our work situations, right? Like I'm a school counselor on the days where I feel like I'm constantly putting out fires for my students. I never feel like I'm able to like really get things done. I just feel like I'm running around with my, like running around with my head cut off like a chicken. I'm not able to have a plan. I'm not able to like take a breath. And I'm sure you as a, as a, as a teacher have, have had similar days where you just feel like you're constantly running around trying to solve these issues. And as a football coach, like that's an impactful thing too. Like, I don't want to discount like what the JC Jackson situation does for the coaching staff, what Dean Leonard being out does for the coaching staff, what Alohi Gilman being out does for the coaching staff, what Joey Bosa being out for the coaching staff does like you there's probably been this feeling of like, we just have to constantly put out these fires and like survive out here, you know? Um, But at the end of the day, it is their job. It is my job as a school counselor to figure out how to get the things that I need done, manage my time when I have these emergencies that are happening. Like it's not, I don't, don't, I don't get to go to work the next day and like, well, I didn't do the thing I was said I was going to do because Billy Joe over here was having a a tough day. Like I have to figure it out and I have to do my task that day. And so, you know, at the end of the, at the end of the day, it is the responsibility of the coaches to come together. You like, like we just talked about the players, the coaches have to raise their level when you have these kind of situations that the chargers have had. And um, hopefully that, that this issue gets corrected next year, because I would like to cover a team that is on a playoff run again. And not in the situation where they're five. But this wasn't fun for you. Uh, this, <laughs> they, they, I love football. On winning. I, yeah. I love talking about football. I love like all the X's and O's and everything like that. Yeah. Um, but yes, it is much more preferable to cover a yeah. winning team. My first season covering the team was 2018. That was incredible. <laughs> you got spoiled. It was so much fun. I got spoiled right off the bat. <laughs> I uh, came in as as a as a young pup, and and they were ten and three at this time la- at that season. And I went to a game at uh, they changed names like twice, the StubHub, whatever. And it was electric. It was so much fun. Philip Rivers was was slinging the ball around and everything like that. And uh, that season was fun. I want more seasons like that. That would be, be great. And I I hope that sometimes if it's been tough, as not the point of the podcast today. But it, sometimes it is tough to maintain momentum when the team is, is you know, there was, we literally lose two, win two, lose two, win two, win, yeah. lose, lose, lose. Like it's, it's been tough. But I hope that 
wherever you find us, wherever we are, if you follow us at all, that you're hopefully also there and see what happens and what it looks like when the Chargers are actually winning. Because I promise there's there's so much excitement as a fan and a fanatic and the fandom, it's all there. But you know, I hope you recognize right now it's it's tougher for sure to to try to cover the Chargers and to be like really excited. But that, that's kind of a point. You have to be frustrated right now so you can really enjoy those 2018 seasons and those great moments too, which we will. Yeah, yeah 100%. You know, the beauty of the NFL is that you can turn things around in a hurry. I mean, look what the Houston Texans have done. They were a dumpster Ooh. fire two years ago. I know they lost on Sunday, but they're in a playoff push with a franchise quarterback. Like everything is so positive. That's the beauty of the NFL. You can turn things around so fast. And I think the Chargers have, you know, a lot of the core pieces necessary to make that turn. Um but yes, it is much more fun to cover a winning team. And at this point, like I'm list, like, so my brother's an Eagles fan and he's complaining about the offensive play call. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> you guys are 10 and three. You were just in the Super Bowl last year. Like, <laughs> shut up. You're fine. Yeah. Yeah. They got it really rough being, being 10 and three and having the Super Bowl a couple of years ago and been back in it. Yeah. Uh, yeah that's, uh, I, Heart goes out to them. There's my <laughs> tiny violin. Um, I'll happily play that for them. Those poor guys. They're they're yeah. only ten and three. Yeah. Anyways. Um. But yeah. Hopefully, like Tyler said, you know, you guys will be along with us on the ride when the Chargers are are back on top. So, um, we'll end the show today talking about Easton Stick. This is obviously his show. Well, not officially confirmed his show, but presumably his show for the final four games of the season. Um, Brandon Staley mentioned this today, but I think it's important to, for people to realize like when you lose your starter mid game, you can't really like change your game plan. Like you kind of have to just like, okay, like Easton, you come in and you run the Justin stuff. And obviously, you know, you would love to just have like Justin and Justin one B. Unfortunately, that's not the way football works. Um, so the offense is going to change a little bit, obviously like the bones and things are, are going to remain the same, but Tyler, in your estimation, what or how would you kind of define a successful finish to the season for an Easton Stick-led offense? I, In terms of points, I'd say maybe like 14 to 17 points. Now, I understand that it's been quite the struggle for the Chargers to get there, but I'm hoping, as we sort of talked about, that other players can rise to the occasion. And I, I think we saw moments of that potentially against the Broncos, um, one in particular, Quentin Johnston, uh, part of it was just opportunity, but he catches the big, long 50-yarder, and then the next play is a 22-yarder against Pat Sertan. Like, there's there's stuff there that you can lean into. Um, so for him to be successful, I think you'd look back at the last time the Chargers had a different quarterback, um, and they had to prepare for that quarterback, and we were with that quarterback heading into a game. That was Tyrod Taylor. It was very RPO. It was very rollout. It was very quick game. It was, let's throw it to Keenan Allen and the tight ends. And that, you know, and maybe down the field to Mike Williams, he's not out there. So maybe Quentin Johnston. But I think sure. I think kind of stuff like that. Let's lean into what Easton Stick does really well. Um, it cannot get to the point where they are doing deep drops, where he's holding on to the football for a very long time. Because on the one hand, the quick slant stuff, um, some of the rollout stuff, that all looked pretty good. The one shot down the field, that did look pretty good. But when it came time to hold on to it for a bit longer, you had a couple of sacks. You had one sack fumble and one that should probably have been a sack fumble, 
but it wasn't. You had three turnover-worthy plays. So get that ball out quick and, and lean into your other players. I think it's a really good opportunity for the Chargers to almost have to evaluate their younger guys. You know, let's Keenan Allen's going to be Keenan Allen. Kellen Moore's done a great job with Keenan Allen. So that's going to be the same. And that's going to be a blessing for Easton Stick that he gets to throw to Keenan Allen out there. And Kellen Moore's going to use him very well. But you can't expect him, I don't think, to push down the you know, football down the field to Quentin Johnston every game. I don't expect that to happen all the time. Yeah. Get those screens going, man. That screen against the Broncos. I know the Broncos were way back. It looked pretty good. I mean, that was a third and 20 that he took about 16 yards. He, it looks pretty good. Like, I, I genuinely believe he was going to get all 20 of those back. Lean into that. Isaiah Spiller, it's time to evaluate him. And guess what? You have Easton Sick as your backup quarterback. You could run the ball more now. Uh, whether it's successful or not, I don't know. Yeah. But you got nothing to lose. And Isaiah Spiller, some of it wasn't so great. But I saw some flashes in there as well. Lean into that. Let's see what he's got. Let's also evaluate the future. So in terms of points, 14 to 17 would be great. Will they get there? No idea. I hope they do. It's at least entertaining if they do. But if nothing else, make it comfy for Easton Stick and find ways to evaluate your young guys as best you possibly can heading into next season. And I think Easton Stick is also part of that. I mean, he's not a super young guy. Yeah. He's been in the league for, for five years. But like I think we're, we just talked about this earlier. Like We're seeing the value of a backup quarterback around the league and like what having a stable situation at backup quarterback can give you if you have injuries. Obviously, we hope every starter stays healthy, but this is going to be Easton Stick's first career start. Um, this is we haven't really gotten a a real chance to evaluate him. Obviously, we've seen him in some preseason games, um, but if Easton Stick can look like a functional NFL quarterback in these next four games then I think you're talking about like, like we've always heard like, Oh, we need our long-term backup quarterback. If Easton sick has a, a functional four games here, then I think we, we can solidify that question or he can solidify that question for somebody else and net the chargers a comp pick. We'll see what happens. Um, but either way, in terms of the Easton stick offense, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think you have to increase the easy buttons heading into this week. The chargers were averaging around 23 design rushes per game. I think with Easton Stick, you can crank that up, you know, maybe five or six more, maybe get to 28, 29. And some of that can be Easton Stick design runs. We saw some of that in, in the preseason. We saw them do the speed option looks a couple of times as well, which you've seen Justin Herbert do a couple of times this year. And I think you, first and foremost, designing his offense around Easton Stick, have to use his mobility to their advantage. And it's a way to take pressure off of him as a passer because it's it's just a threat that the defense has to account for. And we've seen the importance of that with these other backup quarterbacks around the league where if they can run, it just makes your life a little bit easier as a play caller, makes your life a little bit easier as an offensive lineman, makes your life a little bit easier as a running back because that guy on the edge over here probably has to like hang by and, and not get beat by Easton Stick. So I think that's the first thing is let Easton Stick run a little bit more. And then schematically, like you mentioned, give him some easier buttons. Like I think... He showed on Sunday to me that he was much more confident with like how he was throwing the football. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that out route to Keenan Allen on fourth down, like he zipped that thing out there. And then there was the Keenan Allen conversion on third down over the middle that he just zipped that thing, the deep shot to Quentin Johnston. Like, I think he has the confidence to go out there and run the offense, but I think you don't want to be in a situation where you're forcing him to be that kind of aggressive playmaker. And again, the, the Chargers were trailing, 17 to zero, basically when he came in, um, 
So if you can kind of manage things a little bit with his legs in the run game, you know, do RPOs, do more play action shots, make things easier for him. I think you can have kind of a semi-functional offense with Easton Stick. Obviously, it's not going to be Justin Herbert. It's not going to be what we saw against the Lions, stuff like that. But if you can have some successful drives here and there, you know, manage the clock a little bit more. And I think that could be a successful recipe for Easton Stick. Obviously, I don't think anybody is going to misinterpret that as like, hey, they're going to go on a run and win four games with Easton Stick. My thing is like, let's evaluate Easton Stick and see what he can do. And I think the mobility there really is the key thing because I do think he has progressed quite a bit as a passer, which is what we talked about when we watched him against this in, in the scrimmage way back when in August, like he has taken steps as a passer. Now we get to see that come to fruition. Hopefully we get to see him uh, use his legs as well in these next four games. Yeah. Looking at Cooper Rush's stats back last year with Kellen Moore, with the Cowboys, when Dak went down, I was surprised because the dot basically didn't change. It was still about nine yards there and it, they were throwing it 30 something times a game for a lot of these games. Don't know if they get to that point with Easton stick, but I do think Kellen Moore is, is it's not going to be a complete shell of an offense. I do yeah. think like we saw with the Quinton Johnson pass, like that stuff is going to be there, but just how do they make it easy for him? And I'm, I'm curious how Kellen Moore responds to the challenge of this, because it feels like sometimes the offense is okay. We'll do this. Justin Herbert, go save us. You, I don't think you can quite do that. Certainly not the same no. way with Easton sick. It's it's, I hope he does. That'd be great, but it's not quite the same. So how do you elevate the floor of this offense? I think the Chargers are maybe living on the ceiling of their offense and trying to hit certain ceilings with Justin yeah. Herbert because you have Justin Herbert, but the floor was never there. And that's why I see some catastrophic moments, or you also see 38 points against the lions with Easton stick. You're, you're just going for 14, 17. If you're trying to be serious and try to win. So how does Kellen Moore respond? How does he elevate the floor of this offense to at least get as many easy things as possible? If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. I just hope if it doesn't work out, it's not because we saw them take deep drops and try to push the ball down the field and run the Justin Herbert offense. I, it, you just can't do that. And frankly, Justin Herbert and the offense were struggling to run the Justin Herbert offense. So what, what can you do differently? Yeah, it's going to have to be a change up. Like you can't you can't run the same stuff. The the deep dropbacks for the most part are are not going to be the same kind of level of execution. Like I think the biggest difference in how you see like a quarterback versus a backup is the time to throw, is the pressure to sack percentage on PFF. You're kind of looking at those two things, and ideally you're trying to make things easier upon your backup quarterback. Where hey, we have one read, let's go there and then check it down. Like. Justin Herbert can go one, two, three, four, sometimes five, like whatever the case may be, because he's just that level of processor with Easton Stick and your backup quarterback. Not to say that Easton Stick can't handle that, not to say that he's not smart, but traditionally with your backup quarterback, you're looking for read one, check down, like take the easy play, take what the defense gives you, just keep the ball moving. And I think that's the key thing there. And listen, like the, this team believes in Easton Stick from a player perspective. Like he is beloved in that locker room for a reason. And, you know, Sebastian Joseph Day, Derwin James were asked about him today. They all spoke very glowingly about him. They believe in Easton Stick. Brandon Staley and the coaching staff believes in Easton Stick. And, like, they're all trying to win. Like, this is their job. Like, they're going to try and continue to execute at the highest level. And hopefully, we, like we talked about, that kind of raises the play of some of these other players around Easton Stick. So, 
Um, it's an important four games. Like I know that it's five and eight. We just talked about why they're not in the playoffs, but every game in the NFL is important for one reason or another. And that is definitely the case heading out to the final month of the season. Yeah, the, of course, you'd ever would love to have every year the first pick in the draft and trade out of that <laughs> and accumulate picks. But sure. you also need to evaluate, you know, this is not as much trying to win games for the sake of winning games to get to the postseason, but it's an audition. It's an audition for next year, for the Chargers, for other teams, uh, or both, obviously. So the Chargers, I hope they go out there and maybe you can see, especially with the last three draft classes and this really young core nucleus that should be your core nucleus moving forward. Who are the guys that you can maybe rely on? Who steps up when the adversity hits? Because it has not been worse. Like there's, there's really in terms of the season, nothing else to really play for. Like quarterbacks are, you're basically out of the postseason. So who with really nothing to have to really play for steps up for the guys around them or hey, like even just for themselves, Yeah, you know, who steps up and really takes charge this season to close it out and put something on tape that they can be proud of and either carry momentum forward with the chargers or, when they hit free agency and go to a different team. Yeah. And I, I really believe in that I, as a player, I really believe if you finish a season strongly, that really does help you moving forward. I think we really did see that with like Justin Herbert, for example, like the final four games of his rookie season, I think really helped propel him into knowing like I am the guy I can do this at a very, very high level elite level. And I think he carried that into that next season. And I think several other young players in that instance too. So you know, momentum from a player development standpoint is a very real thing. And I think as these players, you know, put together multiple performances and just build their confidence, like for Quentin Johnson, for example, your first 90 yard game, like let's, let's build this consistency. Isaiah Spiller, you're back in it after you've been kind of inactive for a while. Let's build this consistency and let's get going into the next off season. So it is definitely a super important season. And I know that like players wise, you're playing for pride, you're playing for yourself, you're playing to spoil the other teams like you know they, they get the bills in a couple of weeks if the bills you know are, are pushing for the playoffs a loss would do a lot for them you know you get the chiefs in week 18 like you can spoil these other teams season and it's not just like uh you know of course there are things to play for things are not to play for so it's gonna be very interesting to see how the players handle this over the next month because a lot can ride on your careers over the end of the season like this so uh, yeah, went a little bit longer on, on that discussion, particularly along the offensive line, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. We got to talk about the things that are really happening with this team. That's what we always try to do uh, over the, and that's what we've always tried to do over the last four years that we've been together as a podcast. So Tyler, uh, any final thoughts before we head out? I am still kind of excited for the game, you know, because <laughs> it's like, if we're assuming the Chargers are out of the postseason, and look, they have a one percent or less than one percent chance of making it, so they're they're out of the postseason. Then hey, it's just it's just kind of free house money, you know. I get to yeah. watch. Let's uh, let's see these guys play, see how it goes. I'll be with my dad, who's a Raiders fan. You can type "boo" in the chat, everyone who just found that out. <laughs> um, yeah, it should be fun. We'll be here regardless, no matter what. We'll be here every week covering it. Season ends, we'll be here. So, there it is. yeah. Exactly. You know, Chargers fandom is not for the week. That's for sure. It builds character is what I always tell people. You know, it is what it is. So it should be a lot of fun. Appreciate you guys for sticking around this uh, far into the episode, this far into the season. 
hopefully you're able to learn something, take something away from the, from this show. That's kind of always our goal is to have these kind of discussions that, that dig deep into what's going on with the chargers uh, on multiple levels. So hopefully you enjoy the show. If you did, uh, please let us know in a review, comment, whatever the case may be. Uh, we're always looking for that kind of engagement. So we appreciate you guys. Appreciate the chargers for allowing us to have this platform. Appreciate Greg Kim for producing as always. That's going to do it for us th this time. We'll see you next week. Bolt up. Thank <laughs> you.